coming up. From facing Becky Lynch at WrestleMania to securing tag team gold, it has been an eventful 2020 for my guest this week. Shayna Baszler joins us as ATB starts now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, but the WWE landscape looks very, very different. As I'm sure you all know by now, the WWE draft just concluded this past Monday. My, how things have changed. I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for what my guest is about to accomplish in the coming months and years here in WWE. Please welcome the queen of spades, Shayna Baszler. So, Shayna, since the last time you were on After the Bell, a lot has changed for you. Uh, professionally speaking, you were then the NXT Women's Champion. You are now one half of the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. Got a lot to catch up on. So I'm going to take a take a trip in the time machine way back to when you found out you were coming full time to Monday Night Raw. What was that transition like coming from being the most dominant force the NXT Women's Division had seen to that point to Monday Night Raw and the world that that is? I think it's true of anyone that moves to Raw or SmackDown from NXT. I think it's like it was just like cliff jumping in in a sense where it's like ready or not, you just got to like you're not. And then all of a sudden you are, there's no <laughs> preparing or, or getting ready. And you're, and you're almost quite literally thrown into the deep end. I think I was ready just because I think the matchups for me, you know, I think it was time to kind of change up the scenery. So, you know, and it's still playing out. So there were a lot of fresh challenges, new, yeah. new opponents, different opportunities. And there's always discussion of that kind of first generation of NXT women that were already on Raw SmackDown and then kind of the generation I came from. And so I think it was, you know, it's just good. It's something people are always curious about and people are always debating about whose class was greater or however you want to word it. But, you know, it was finally time to meld those, those generations, I guess. Yeah. And I think you, you have to, you deserve a lot of the credit because once the, the four horsewomen left, so to speak, and, and went to Raw and SmackDown, uh, there was a little bit of time where the, the NXT women's division had to be rebuilt. And then there was Asuka, and Asuka carried the torch for a while. And then there was the Shayna Baszler era. Uh, was there any sort of uncertainty or, or discomfort within you personally, knowing the circumstances that you were leaving under? I think there's always, there's always that pressure in this industry as a whole that has such a rich history and, and holds such importance on its past champions and, and, and icons. It's, it's always a thing that's kind of, in the back of your mind, the thing that I think gave me more pressure than that was, I, I think I talked about it before, but just like representing the pro the style of pro wrestling that I was brought up in. And I think I was struggling a lot with, is this the right environment? Or is this audience ready for that style of pro wrestling? You know, cause it's very, I, I think the style I bring is really different, especially amongst the women. Right. You know, were people, were people going to be receptive to the style that I brought? And so I think it was more, just trying to be comfortable in my own groove. I was like anyone, especially when I first started, I want to do, I want to do all the cool stuff and climb up to the top and do all this stuff. And constantly my coaches are like, no one does what you do. So don't do everything everyone else does. And I think just that it, it was, it's always been this kind of like constant balance I've, I've had to find. So um, I think that was a bigger pressure on me than necessarily like carrying the torch or, or something like that. But sure. 
Well, we, you talk about pressure. I mean, the way you, I don't want to say debuted, but re-debuted on Monday Night Raw had the entire wrestling business and beyond buzzing uh, when you attacked <laughs> Becky Lynch. And, and, and let, let's be totally honest. It got mixed reviews as far as what, what was it? No one really knew what to make of it. I remember I didn't see it as it happened. I saw it the next day, but I opened my Twitter that night and Shayna Baszler's trending. And I think so is Vampire. There was just so much, so many questions to be answered. And especially for those who followed Shayna, your career in NXT and what you were, the no nonsense. It was kind of a departure for you. When you did what you did, which obviously we know in this business, more often than not, you're, you're kind of given a guideline of, hey, this is what you're doing. With the reaction that it spawned, how did you handle all of that? So even I felt mixed about it, like as it happened. Uh-huh. But the fact of the matter is you can't argue with, you already said like everything was trending. People were talking about it. You can't just. You can't judge the business based on Twitter. I understand that much. <laughs> true, but, but it's a good gauge as far as what's going to get people talking. So I guess it, this goes back to, um, I was talking to Kevin Owens when I was still at NXT. He was, he was there, I think, um, had an injury or something. I don't remember, but he was at the performance center and he was telling me that you forget being at NXT because NXT has a very loyal fan base um, that you forget that the majority of maybe the Raw and SmackDown audience doesn't necessarily watch NXT. So he said, you know, he was NXT champion and it was a real eye-opening experience that when he started kind of dabbling up on Raw and SmackDown while he was still champion, there were some crowds that didn't know who he was and it kind of like blew my mind. So, you know, what's going to be the thing if I'm moving from NXT to Raw and SmackDown, you have to do something that's going to make you stand up. What am I going to do? Just come out and do the thing and have a regular match. You know right. what I mean? So right. um, I think in the end, I came around to being like, okay, people are talking about this. Yeah. That's, that's what I wanted anyway. So, you know, it worked. Oh, it, it definitely worked. And as a result, you now find yourself in an extremely high profile match at WrestleMania with Becky Lynch, who at that, that moment, arguably the hottest superstar in the industry. Now, I know you came up in this business on the independence like, like so many of us did. And WrestleMania is always the pinnacle of the business. And this is your first one to be a major part of with the, the women's championship on the line. And it doesn't really get any bigger than this. The pandemic strikes. We find out WrestleMania is going to happen rather than in front of 80,000 people in a stadium in the performance center, which let's be honest, by that point, we were all tired of anyway. <laughs> <laughs> True. At first, obviously, everyone was like, what? No. And I think there's still a side of me, at least, that's like, that's the most important match of my career that I've had, I think, thus far, obviously. Title match at WrestleMania. Of course. It doesn't get bigger than that. But I still feel incomplete. Like, I haven't had my WrestleMania moment. Right. Um, and I think just the circumstances. And we all got the importance of, like, you know, at the time, everyone's calling their family. And it turns into a 30-minute discussion about, oh, the pandemic and this virus. And, blah, blah, blah. and we understood the, the value in putting on a product where for three hours, two nights in a row, people didn't talk about that. And they were like, I hate this person. Oh no, I think they're going to like for, for even just for a glimpse of a window, we gave people something else to, to have their minds on. So we got that. It was very important in that sense, but I don't know. It, it's, it's just, it's hard. There is a magic that's missed about it. Not being, you know, 80,000 people and a roaring crowd and all that. At the same time, um, I talked about like the different style of wrestling that I have. I think in some ways, it was a blessing to have that uh, big moment of mine first 
before whatever big moments come next, because I think having an empty sort of arena and a camera up close, you know, like there's some things that I do in the ring that person in the stands way up in the rafters can't see. Right. The, the subtleties and, and just the little maneuvers and whatnot. I, I agree with you. And I, I remember thinking that watching the match and the other one that stood out, uh, Daniel Bryan particularly always yeah. stood out through the whole, the whole performance center era, the, the catch wrestling or just the wrestling end of things was so much more obvious. And, and I, I'm, I'm a sucker for all that sort of stuff. I love that style and, and, and just to watch it. And I appreciate it. But to your point now it's, it's you and Becky Lynch and your talents and no other distraction, no sort of outside influence. It was kind of wrestling at its purest form. Yeah, I think that um, a lot of times, especially before the shutdowns and everything, we're on the road, we're wrestling every night, and you really start craving that kind of audience. Everybody loves that, and we still do. I'm not saying we don't, but I, I feel like this has been a good time, or at least that that kind of PC era or whatever you want to call it, was a good time to kind of get back to, like, wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Because like you said, it's kind of the the people that have that catch wrestling, pure wrestling, you know, in an arena of tens of thousands of people, it looks like this, but on a TV screen with no audience, you see this. Right. And that's a that's a detail that makes or breaks the story sometimes. Sure, you're absolutely right. I've always said that as pertains to to mixed martial arts. Like I'm a fan of watching mixed martial arts. I've been to watch it live. I would say about nine times out of 10, I would rather be sitting in my living room watching it because you can appreciate the maneuvers and the jujitsu and the ground game and things like that, that you, you can't see in an arena. I've said the whole time that like MMA especially is a sport that I think I enjoy more now that they're in a closed, like you right. can hear things better yes. and you hear the, the intricacies of the instruction they're getting and you're not swayed by the crowd, you know, there'll be something like, um, I always talk about the kicks that make the slappy noise are not the ones that hurt. It's the ones that like thunk. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so you don't have a crowd to sway you like the slap. Everybody goes, ah, uh. but like, you don't have that to sway your mind about who's winning the fight. It's really interesting. So I think that obviously I come from that background, so it helps, but I think that my style equally benefits in this sort of environment. So WrestleMania happens. The whole world is still upside down. What is Shayna Baszler doing in her free time, this newfound free time during this pandemic where everybody sort of found out a lot about themselves whether they wanted to or not? <laughs> well, so my whole house, everybody started like streaming and, and, and finding all these hobbies. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to do whatever all these guys are doing. So there, there's two big things I did. One, I really sat down and read and read and read and made a schedule, I guess, of things I want to do to fix up my Mustang. <laughs> oh, okay. Like before I knew enough to be like, okay, I want it to sound cool. I want cool looking this, I want this to do, but now I'm like, oh, okay. In order to fuel inject it, I need this and like down the chain so that I have kind of an order of operations. What kind of Mustang do you have? I have a 69 Mustang. Ah, see, I, I was walking through the parking garage last week and I know Ricochet also has a very tricked out Mustang. He's got like a, I think like a newer Mustang, but the body he put on it is a 69 frame. Okay, I, I didn't know. I walked past it and I was like, wow, who whose is that? And then yeah. he's got, of course, he's got his logo on the on the keyhole yeah, on the yeah, truck. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, ah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I like, I like my Mustang is like, I like keeping stuff as classic yes. looking as it can. Yes. Like I have a, the, the radio I have in there is a digital radio that Bluetooth looks. If you put it next to like the original Mustang radios, it looks the yes, same. Yes. I've seen them. I, I actually, I had a, a 68 Cougar for a while, which ah, uh, that was, awesome. that was my little, little baby, which I no longer have, but, uh, I'm not a car guy, but I appreciate anyone that has the time and know-how to be able to fix things, which sounds like, listen, last time we talked, last time we were on, you were on my show, I learned so much about your history and where you came from. Oh, and now, by the way, you can fix cars. Is there anything that <laughs> cannot do? It's not that I can, I can't necessarily do the the part of fixing it, but I know what I want to tell you to fix. Okay. Fair enough. At least you have a, a, a know-how, which is more than I can say about myself. <laughs> That's what I spent time doing though, because I didn't just want to be like, Hey, can we put a, a, a bigger motor in this? I wanted to say, Oh, okay. I have a 302 in there now, a 351 bolts in. So I can at least go that big without doing, you know what I mean? Like I learned this type of stuff that I would have not, I would have just been like, yeah, let's make it bigger and louder. Like I wouldn't have known, <laughs> You know, and I don't need a, a 10 second track car. I just want a mean sounding car that turns heads when I drive by. There so. you go. There you go. What was uh, What was number two? You said two major things. I brewed my own beer from scratch. Really? Yeah. Like I, I was like, well, if we're going to be in this for a while, uh, I've always been like a, a craft beer nerd. Yes. But I drink beers like most people drink wine. Like I pair it with this feels good with this food and this is good. At this I drink beer. Food. Like most people drink water, which is a problem. <laughs> There's some nights like that, but, <laughs> but, um, I actually sat down and bought books and like researched the, cause I've done before where you can buy like the kits right. that has everything in it for you. And you kind of just fought be like, okay, I add this and this, but this was the first time I sat down and was like, okay, I'm going to get, uh, these type of hops, I'm going to get this type of sugar and like brewed my own beer from scratch. And I thought it was going to be a disaster, but it was okay. <laughs> in your first time, okay is more than enough. Yeah. Now, now in the midst of all this, the, obviously the, the whole world is, is gone mad and our programming is very different from anything we've ever put out before. And Shayna Baszler sort of becomes MIA for a cup of coffee. And the, the rumors are swirling and that's all they are rumors. I'll confirm it before you even have to. How do you handle that in, in this situation to where you, you go from NXT at the pinnacle to WrestleMania at the very top to, oh, well, uh, we don't know what's happening with Shayna. How, how are you handling this personally as a performer and as a person? Well, I think the hardest part for me isn't necessarily the criticisms or the rumors because that stuff as a, as a professional athlete, like you deal with that. Exactly. All the time. It just happens. Um, and if I haven't learned by now, then, you know, this isn't the business for me. But I think the thing that was hardest for me was during this time, the, the gyms were closed and like there was no, the, the performance center was not a place to go work out. Like there's always the gym. So that wasn't open. And so I think the hardest part for me was finding motivation to stay in shape and ready. Cause as anyone in this business knows, it could literally be last minute that you are like, well, here's your shot. What? I didn't even, uh, okay. So I think like, it's easy for me when I have something like, okay, um, I'm going to be at payback. I'm going to be in a match for the tag team titles. So now I have this like goal. I'm going to be in shape. I'm going to make sure I'm ready, but it's hard when there's like nothing. And it's kind of this, um, 
maybe if just in case sort just of the uncertainty of all yeah and so I think like the hardest part for me was finding motivation to do like to stay to do the the cruddy parts that you hate of staying in shape. like I think I'm like a normal person I'll lift and and all that is easy but doing the cardio and trying to be like okay I have to stay in ring shape and it's boring and there's not a ring to actually wrestle in so I have to do mindless boring cardio like that was so hard for me in MMA you have a fight on a busy year like once every two three months so I think having developed that habit anyway was a real help to me during that time I could see that being of huge service because there there's I mean it's no secret that the wrestler's paranoia permeates everything I mean that that's this industry-wide thing everyone's yeah. worried about oh what about me um so but to, but to come from that world I could see that being a huge help rather than, you know, stressing constantly and, and becoming your own worst enemy and creating monsters in your head. Yeah. And, and not to say that there wasn't that, but I think that, um, like I said, it's, a, it was almost familiar. And I guess that in the moment, in, in hindsight, it was like, okay, good. But in the moment it was like, ah, this crap again, <laughs> like working out for two months for whatever. But, you know, Josh Barnett was my coach for most of my career. Right. And I think I've talked to him about how I'm grateful that the habits that he instilled and how it translates so well to my, again, my style of wrestling. A lot of what I do is the same. You know, I'm not in a cage sparring with people punching them in the face twice a week, like I was, but a lot of the workouts I do are the same because I wrestled a lot. Like, very, yeah. Yeah. Very similar, very similar to, to how right. I fought. So I, I tell him all the time, like, it's like, when you're a kid, you hate your parents and the way they're parenting you. But then when you get older, you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm glad you didn't let me go to that party with those kids, you know, or yep. whatever it was. So now you, you, I mean, we keep talking about what a unique style you have and you've developed for yourself. Now you're thrust into a tag team, which is relatively unfamiliar territory for you. I mean, yeah. as, as part of, you know, you, you have your, your four horsewomen, but as far as, you know, WWE tag team, it's a whole different animal. Uh, was that exciting for you? Daunting for you? There was obviously this like, oh no, I don't know anything about tag team wrestling. Yeah. And I think everyone in this business at some point will be like, I, I still don't know about wrestling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like there's a big chunk of me, you know, I think, and that's from top to bottom. I think anyone that's worth anything in the ring, I'm surprised sometimes at the, at the like people that have said that to me. And I'm like, you're a legend that's been there for 20 years. How can you even say that? But yeah, but like, it's great because coming off of this kind of like rut I think I found myself in where it's like, okay, I wasn't successful at WrestleMania. The money in the bank thing happened. And then it was like, how am I finding my groove back in? It was, it's a refreshing sort of challenge for creatively. And that's a thing that I've heard people that are a lot more experienced in WWE talk about trying to stay fresh creatively. Right. So um, I think that's been, that's been something that's kind of made it fun, you know, where it was like daunting initially as well. It's, it's also been refreshing. What was your relationship with Nia like prior to, I mean, obviously on TV, you guys were beating the living hell out of each other, but prior <laughs> to uh, you guys becoming tag champs and what is it? How is it now? We were friendly, I guess. I, I, she was like another person in the locker room, but our paths uh -huh. never really crossed. I hadn't been up there very long. And then during the time I was, it was like straight into this thing with Becky and, uh, and then kind of like figuring out where to go from there. So I don't want to say we were friends, but we weren't like, I didn't have a problem with her. Sure. Sure. And now obviously we're, 
we're a tag team. So just out of necessity, you, you, you have, yeah. I, I had that same experience with, with Neville and I were tag team champions yeah. in NXT and I'd known him for a decade and we were always cordial and friendly, but I wouldn't, I, we didn't socialize. We didn't go yeah. to a bar or anything. And the whole time we were a tag team, it was still kind of the same, but it was, you just have more interaction and you learn and you, you learn from each other and you, and you, you kind of become better together. But we never, ever had that like, oh, this is my guy. This is my best friend. It was kind of a kind of a strange vibe because on the on the opposite end of things, you have some tag teams who are legitimately best friends inside yeah. out. So I was just curious because I'm not at Raw anymore, so I don't get to see this stuff up close. <laughs> it's been interesting because that's that's kind of being thrust again into the deep end where not only did I not know tag team wrestling, but learning that sort of thing, it would be easier with like a best friend, I would imagine. Right. Right. Because you you know how each other works and you know kind of what each other's thinking and all this. And we didn't have any of that. So it's been a fun challenge to to kind of learn. And, and I'm still getting there. You know what I mean? I still feel like we have the titles, but I still feel like we haven't come to full fruition of what we are yet. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, is there is there anybody, any teams or, or footage you have been studying or, or been inspired by for this part of your career with the tag teams? So like... Obviously, not just for the, I think there's some social dynamic that compares us to Kane and Daniel Bryan, but I think more the uh, the style, the in-ring yeah. style is, I kind of study, you know, I don't, I don't spend enough time looking at backstage and character type stuff, but like in-ring stuff is stuff that I'll, I'll sit for hours and I never get tired of. So um, just watching a dynamic like that, where it's a big guy and like, Daniel Bryan and I have a lot of similarities in the ring and we have a lot of the of common, you know, he trained a little bit with Billy as well. And did, Billy Robinson, you're referring yeah, to yeah. the father of catches catch can wrestling. Yes. Uh, so I know he's done a little bit of training. Our paths never crossed there, but I know just seeing some of the stuff he does and, and, and talking with him. Um, so I think that looking at teams like that, where, the dynamic is similar to what we have has been really beneficial to me. Um, it's difficult because our dynamic isn't going to be a tag team. Like, you know, like you think about these legendary pairings that were always only a tag team. We're not oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not going to be Arn and Tully or yeah, yeah I, we're I, not I doing like this tandem kind of offense and doing these cool double team. That's not what we are. Right. So there's a lot of stuff I watch that is like, okay, I, I can put that over here for later. But like I said, it's been an interesting an interesting learning experience. Very cool. What's something that stands out to you that you've learned since coming up to Raw from NXT that, that maybe kind of blew your mind or really taught you a lot? I kind of touched on it a little bit, but I think realizing that everybody is kind of mentally in the same boat where it's like nobody is convinced they have it figured out. Yeah. Nobody nobody that's worth anything up there ha is convinced they have it figured that out. That caveat was, was of <laughs> the utmost importance because there are people that think they have it figured out, but it's the ones that realize you never stop learning that yeah. go on to do great things. And I'll never forget, I think the moment that blew my mind the most, I don't even know if this is a story I should even tell, but um, you can edit it out if you want. But after the Money in the Bank uh, we had the like run through the corporate headquarters right. money in the bank match. And I got that moment where I got to put my, the care of food on Rey Mysterio. And, you know, in that moment when they told me it was happening, I was like, like 13 year old me is like, <laughs> this is crazy, you know, but um, 
It was like the next week or two, whatever the next uh, TV taping was at the Performance Center. Ray freaking Mysterio comes up to me and is like, hey, Shane, I just wanted to say thank you for that, uh, doing that. And I'm like, you're that, you're thanking me. You're Ray Mysterio. And I put my, like, don't, don't, please don't do that. But like, just knowing that kind of everybody's in the same spot, you, you, you know, I think this can go to anybody that wants to, to try pro wrestling or, or, or whatever it is they're trying to do. Like, if you feel like, man, I'm so far behind these people. I don't feel like I know how to do this. I feel like I, 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 I have to defer to some, like everybody that's worth a darn feels that way. Like everybody feels that way. To your point, it is just Ray Mysterio. The yeah. guy is, is a first ballot. He doesn't have to do anything else. No, ever. but, but he is maybe still to this day, the most humble guy in the, in the yeah. locker room. And, and that's why he's been around as long as he has, and he's such a valuable asset. So that's really yeah. cool. You got to experience that firsthand in this run as WWE women's tag team champions. You've got to compete against some different pairings and different faces. Anything stand out to you, any particular matches or, or angles that, that you really had fun with, you know, the whole, the whole thing with, um, Sasha and Bailey was really, I'll say learning experience again, but not in the way that's like, you know, it wasn't like a humbling experience necessarily, but it was very much like, okay, okay, we can do this. This is like, and, and just the way that they were so helpful because they've been a tag team forever. And again, touching on what I was just saying, they're, they're like, we tag team wrestling is so hard. We don't know. We don't know anything. And it's like, man, nobody, nobody thinks they have it figured out. But, um, I think just even, even like not necessarily in the ring and the matches we had, I loved, but I think just even picking their brain kind of like in the locker room, like even philosophy of pro wrestling type Uh stuff. Like, like I was like, man, how are you guys, you guys had the tag titles forever and you guys were going to NXT, you guys were finally that cross brand and all this stuff. I just don't know how we're even going to match up. And they're like, imagine though, both of you are so dominant. Imagine how that will elevate the titles as right. it, as, as like the, the lineage goes on. I loved the whole program we had with them and then being a part of their epic breakup and stuff. It was just, it was really cool. I want to talk to you a little bit more. You're talking about uh, Billy Robinson and Josh Barnett and, and your style and how unique it is to you, particularly as a, as a woman competitor. I've noticed an influx of that sort of style, particularly in NXT, uh, but even carrying over on the main roster, you've got like an Oni Lorcan, Drew Gulak, uh, Finn and Kyle O'Reilly at TakeOver 31 in the main event. I mean, that to me was as pure of a wrestling match as, as you'll see. Um, and, and everything about it was just rough and in smash mouth, but I, I love that sort of stuff. How exciting is it for you to see something that was sort of your niche kind of start to bubble over in, in our business in our company, particularly? I think it's, it's so validating, I guess, as a, as a performer, because especially as a woman, like I've said before, it's a lot less common. That style is a lot less common amongst women. Even when you get to people that might, you see a lot of people that claim like an MMA sort of background, but you, it, the struggle is always melding that with professional wrestling. And I think that, you know, seeing this kind of influx and now, now I have contemporaries to be like, to kind of like build off of idea wise. So it's not, you know, whereas before I'm looking at like old Billy Robinson footage or some of these old 
you know, old. You had to seek it out. It was, yeah, it was necessarily readily available. Like I can be watching a, 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 like takeover live and be like, holy smokes. I never thought about doing that. I bet I could do something where I did this a little bit different. That's awesome. And so it's cool to have contemporaries that are also doing the same thing that I'm doing style-wise and sure. kind of trying to find that balance. Sure. Well, you mentioned the, the difficulty in melding mixed martial arts and pro wrestling. We've seen uh, a glimpse of it, so to speak, with the Raw Underground uh, recently, which you've yourself competed in, but you also have uh, Marina and Jessamine. I know how important they are to your, your life and your career. Now they're getting to do their thing on Monday Night Raw. What does that mean to you? Well, I think the thing that I really love about Raw Underground and, and, and Marina and Jessamine kind of being a part of that is that I think for all of us, there's this struggle that I've talked about continuously. Like, okay, we're this style. How do we meld that into this? And I think previous to something like Raw Underground or like Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, there's like, it's either been, okay, you're a fighter, now you're wrestling. And there's no like... There's no adjustment. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that something like Underground from Rena and Jess is a great like middle ground to kind of like, you know, they don't have to jump wet. off the right, cliff. They have right. like the low dive first. You know yeah. what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's, I think it's really beneficial in that. Like I said about the performance center stuff, it's a great time to have something like this, you know, where, where there's not the person up in those seats that can't see what's going on. Right. It, it kind of preconditions them a little bit. I mean, anything in this business is, is teaching. You're, you're conditioning the audience to know that when Randy Orton drops down and pounds the mat, the RKO is coming. So yes. if you're at the top of the, the arena, you may not see the face impact, but you know what's coming. So the more time you have on television to break someone's fingers in very short order, then they yeah. realize it, it, it translates a lot better. So it is, yeah. it's, it's very cool to that, to that perspective. G3 Assistance through Virginia's Community Colleges is your pathway to a new future, helping those who qualify pay for school and train for the right career. Right where you are, right now. Get a skill. Get a job. Get ahead. You can learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3. Do you ever have any other women uh, in the locker room ask you for advice as pertains to in-ring, uh, whether it be moves or, or reversals or submissions or anything? So when I talk about like nobody thinks they ever have it figured out, I always, and I say this in the locker room, the only thing I know how to do is submission holds. I can <laughs> find any hold from anywhere. And so when there have been times where I've been asked like, hey, how would I reverse this? Or how do I get out of this? Or what can I do from here? Or is there anything you could figure out if I were to do this to you? Like, there's a lot of questions like that. What, uh, looking forward into the not-so-distant future, what is Shayna Baszler most excited about or looking forward to? Or what do you want? I ask myself this question because it's easy to say something like, oh, I, wanna, I want my real WrestleMania moment. But I think the legacy I want to leave is that I want... There's always been the, the, the names that you talk about, and it's always been men that are like the wrestlers, right? Like you talk about like Dean Malenko and Regal. Fit, Daniel Bryan, all yeah. Yeah, these guys that are like, you can you can tell they're, they're wrestlers. Um, and maybe they weren't 
the rock like selling like like i'm not saying they didn't sell out arenas they they obviously did but you know they're not these like bigger than life over the top characters necessarily but man by the time they got done everyone knew like these guys are legit and if anyone were to ever like piss them off they they would mess someone up they could right they, right. they so chose and i think that's kind of the legacy i want to leave is like there's at least in the united states there's not a list of women that are like that. Yeah. And I think I want to be just carrying on, you know, people talk about Billy Robinson, the guys like the coaches at the PC that have worked with Billy and they talk, they call him Billy, the bully. Like he was just a mean, tough guy that they knew, they knew, you know, if he, if, if you beat Billy in a pro wrestling match, he respected you. And so I think I kind of want to carry on that sort of legacy. And there, and like I said, there's not really a, a female that, that carries that flag of pro wrestling. Like it's a very Japanese kind of mindset. Like pro right. wrestling is the strongest martial art. And that's so confusing in the United States because of the, the, the F word, you know, yeah. but like, it really is. If you take the legit wrestlers and look at them, they could hang with anyone. You know, if you want to get into it, maybe on the next time I'm on or something that, you know, when you look at like pride fighting championships, Sakuraba, putting down pro wrestling as his martial art. And these guys were like main eventing the Tokyo dome for a, a pro wrestling. And then a week later going and, and getting in a fight in pride fighting championships. Yeah. So yeah. They were representing pro wrestling in a way that I guess kind of inversely, I want to represent pro wrestling like that from MMA to pro wrestling. That's awesome. Like, I, I guess I never looked at it like that. Like to have, and Sakuraba is a great example, but to have somebody of that caliber who is a major star, but it has legitimacy in both. And we do have, we have that to an extent with Brock because people would buy and understand what Brock is beyond WWE. So yeah, it's kind of sure. easy to carry over, but, but that's a great, that's a great way to look at things. If you, if you wave the flag of pro wrestling, which there aren't that many that strictly do that now. So I, I think that's an awesome goal. That's very admirable. And I, I think that's, that's important for our business. I think that at the end of, you know, people ask, and, and I, th I feel like pro wrestling fans maybe understand it more than mixed martial arts fans that pro wrestling is the final homage to all the martial arts I've learned. So it's not, it, they look at it as a, a lot of MMA fans look at it as a downgrade because it's not like the, the hardcore real stuff, but like, it's actually like the next. I, I, You're applying all the knowledge. Yeah. And I talk about it as like, in the lineage that I come up with, with, with Billy and Josh, you weren't allowed to do pro wrestling until you could prove you could hang in a fight. They just wouldn't allow you to do it. Right. So this is kind of like the black belt of what I do is pro wrestling. And it's hard for people to, uh, in the States to understand that. And so I think that, um, you know, uh, I, I, I spent some time in Japan wrestling and I had already like decided I was done with fighting. But when I was there, I was training at, the UWFI snake pit, which is Billy Robinson's gym. He started there um, on top of going to the, the dojo and training with the Joshi wrestlers. EO was there when I was there, but I think I took a fight just randomly as an homage as like a coming of age thing for myself. So I'm, I'm wrestling every weekend, two, three times a weekend training every day and then getting on the train and going across Tokyo and training at, at the UWF like every day. So I took this fight. So there was a day where it was like, I went, I weighed in 
And I fought like two weight classes up because I'm not about to cut weight in Japan. But I, I weighed in. I went and I wrestled Io at Corican Hall in a main event. And then the next day um, had a fight, a, an MMA fight. And it was for nothing other than to follow the footsteps of these giants that I'm trying to represent. You know what I mean? So that's something that back in Bill Robinson's day, they did all the time. Yeah. You just didn't know the difference because they were, they were doing it all the same. So I did that in Japan just to kind of be, I don't I mean, know. A nod to where you came from. That's, that's awesome. I, I truly appreciate that. That's very, very cool. Well, I know it seems a far way off, but as fast as time seems to move these days, hypothesize with me Shayna Baszler next year at WrestleMania in front of the appropriate 80,000 people knock on wood that hopefully we will have hopefully the world gets back to normal who are you standing across the ring from I think I'd be faking it if I told you anything other than I want to have a title match at WrestleMania like I did last year but I want the real WrestleMania this time so it doesn't matter who holds it. You just have it. You just want it. Everybody's got the same limbs and limbs all bend the same way. So the person behind the body parts doesn't matter so much. Anybody that holds a title, regardless of what personal feelings people might have behind the scenes or whatever, can go in the ring. You know, so whoever it is, I know we could put on a banger. I just, like I said, I've spent this past year kind of being able, being kind of lucky where I've been able to like show a close up of what I'm about in the ring. Um, and by then people should know. So hopefully I get like real, real WrestleMania moment. I love it. I, I can't wait to see it. It'll happen sooner or later. Hopefully sooner. Hopefully I get to call it. I haven't called a Shane a match. So yeah. I get to call your tag team title match, which was a nice little treat for me. <laughs> So, so in the interim, uh, you are always welcome here on ATB. I appreciate the conversation. You, I, I still maintain, I will say this publicly, I think you're mo my most interesting guest on a regular basis. <laughs> I love I love doing your show because it's different stuff. So anytime you want to have me on, it's like my favorite one that I do. So. All right. Well, good luck, Shayna. I, uh, I will see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you once again to Shayna Baszler for joining the show. Always great to catch up and keep her on my good side because, quite frankly, I'd prefer – not having my arm broken, but I'll leave you with a little zen. This comes from Marianne Radmacher. I apologize if I mispronounced that. She says, courage does not always roar. Sometimes courage is the quiet voice at the end of the day saying, I will try again tomorrow. There's some zen for you. I'm full of it. Make sure you follow at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and use the hashtag After the Bell. Join the conversation. I pay attention. I swear. I say this each and every week because I mean it. If you're using Apple Podcasts, I need five stars. I need them. I can't live without them. If you're using an Android, follow ATB on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or Google Podcasts and never miss an episode. Oh, and uh, you can follow me at WWE Graves should you be so inclined. I'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. If you've never been to the Maryland Renaissance Festival, you don't know what you're missing. There's so much to see and do. It's like a 16th century theme park with shops and pubs, food and games, live jousting, crafts and music, 10 stages with nonstop entertainment, fun for the whole family. Saturdays, Sundays, and Labor Day Monday through October 24th. For tickets, visit MarylandRenaissanceFestival.com. Save big on admission through September 12th. Near Annapolis, the Maryland Renaissance Festival. Time travel to fun.